0: are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode the good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending, so just be warned. Aliens, which came out in 1986. It was directed by James Cameron. It stars Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Carrie Henn, Bill Paxton, Jeanette Goldstein, Paul Reiser, and Lance Henriksen. The genre would be sci-fi, horror, action, thriller. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. I me. I I me. Get how is this my favorite movie ever? Let me count the ways, because I love this movie. Number one, this was the first R-rated film that I ever saw in theaters, at the age of 11. <laughs> I hadn't seen the first one, but I'll be honest, this scared the shit out of me, and yet I still loved it. Later, it came out on video, and I re-watched it again and again. I had nightmares, <laughs> and I still had to re-watch it again and again after that point. Number two, the underrated screenwriting acumen of James Cameron. Nobody sets up an action sci-fi epic as effectively as he does. The first 25 minutes in Aliens is a masterclass in reintroducing us to Ripley's story. And that includes the special edition of this film, which includes a very critical scene about her daughter. Amanda Ripley McLaren, married name, I guess, age 66. And that was at the time of her death, which was two years ago. I'm real sorry. promised her that I'd be home for her birthday her 11th birthday it does an efficient job of future world building does it with minimal flash and it introduces us to all of the new characters and all their specific traits Hudson's jitteriness Vasquez's bravado hey Vasquez have you ever been mistaken for a man no. Have you? <laughs> oh, Ow. gosh, yes. Bishop's Inherent Decency. It does this in very broad and effective strokes. And of course, it sets up the best Chekhov's gun ever. And the case of Aliens, it's more like Chekhov's power loader. Let's just say that. you want it. Bay 12, please. Number three reason. Sigourney Weaver's lead performance, which deservedly garnered her an Oscar nomination. Now, yes, the fact that a woman was leading an action blockbuster like this at the time, this is the mid-80s, that was groundbreaking in itself. But we also run the gamut of emotions with her character. How completely freaked and isolated she initially is, How she eventually asserts herself into a leader when no one else steps up. Are there any species like this hostile organism on LV-426? No, it's a rock. No indigenous life. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? Ma'am, I already said that it was not indigenous. It was a derelict spacecraft. It was an alien ship. It was not from there. Do you get it? How the personal stakes are raised for her as she gets to know Newt, the young girl who they find on the planet. And how it's more than just a maternal instinct that drives her to go back into that thermal processor to rescue Newt in the third act. In the back of her mind, Ripley still wants to take this xenomorph thing head on. And by xenomorph, I'm referring to what they call the aliens in this universe. And you see this, this determination with that pissed off head turn she gives in that initial silent showdown with the queen, the alien queen. Now it makes zero strategic sense for her to stir shit up by flamethrowing those alien eggs. The whole place is about to blow up anyway, and she needs to get out of there with Newt, but she sees one of those eggs open up and she has just had it. And Weaver nails this moment with that glance. And probably the only reason it hasn't been cited more in the legacy of this film is my reason number four. Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> this is punctuation to the best, the best fist-pump moment in the history of cinema. I would gladly pay a significant amount of money just to see this movie again in a theater just to watch this moment again and watch the audience react. It's that good. Reason number five. James Horner's all-time music score for this film. Yes, it reminds us of other scores he has done, including of Khan, which came out a few years prior, but he still makes his mark with this story. Those violins that just scrape suddenly when there's a sudden movement. It's essential to what makes this film such a thrilling ride. Reason number six. The technical wizardry of Stan Winston and the rest of the effects team in basically utilizing little more than half a dozen fully completed xenomorph puppets, that's all they had, or suits. They just had about six of them. And convincing us that this is an overwhelming army of aliens. And the full-sized marionette used to portray the alien queen. This thing was huge. It was operated by about eight men and remains thoroughly convincing. No wonder I had nightmares. Reason number seven, the irreplaceable Michael Bean. He apparently was cast at the last possible minute as Hicks. And thank God, because his hyper-focused, wiry presence grounds this film as much as he did for The Terminator just three years prior. Look, Ripley, this is a multi-million dollar installation, okay? He can't make that kind of decision. He's just a grunt. No offense. None taken. Farrow, do you copy? Standing by. Prep for dust-off. We're going to need immediate evac. Roger. On our way. say we take off. Nuke the more from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Reason number eight, co-ed locker rooms. <laughs> now bear with me. Paul Verhoeven, he would really take this concept of a future where men and women could just be in a locker room getting together to its apex. This would be in films like RoboCop or Starship Troopers. But in Aliens, the post-pod wake-up sequence, when we are introduced to all of the colonial marines, it earns its place in the annals of, of some of the best introductory scenes for a ragtag bunch of heroes. It's hard not to like these folks. Vasquez, Spunkmeyer, Hudson, Bishop, Apone, Dietrich, Frost. There's no Robert Altman or P.T. Anderson-like camera or sound trickery, not that there's anything wrong with that, that's really used to introduce each of these folks in such a short amount of time. It's just simple, confident storytelling aided by spot-on casting. All right, sweethearts, what are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Heavy meals and banquet, every paycheck of fortune, every formation of parade. I love the car. Man, the floor is freezing. What do you want me to do? Fetch your slippers for you? Gee, would you, sir? I'd like that. Look into my eye. Fall in, people. Come on, let's go. I hate this job. And my final reason for loving this film Number nine, tension sustained tension for pretty much the last 80 or so minutes of the movie it's really impressive 12 meters 11 10 then they're right on us nine meters remember short controlled bursts eight meters seven six can't be that's inside the room it's reading right man look well you're not reading it right Five meters, man. Four. What the hell? Oh my God. As far as I'm concerned, Cameron and crew pull off with this movie, something that acclaimed filmmakers from Chris Nolan to Ryan Johnson to Edgar Wright, they couldn't pull off nearly as well. And that is a fully satisfying fourth act that doesn't feel tacked on, but actually enhances the movie. Now, does it make much logistical sense for the Alien Queen to be able to hitch a ride with them like that back to the Sulaco, their main ship? Not really, if you think about it, but who cares when it's so damn satisfying? And that brings us to the categories. Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of film, because music is essential to film. James Horner's score is the only music we hear throughout the entire movie, but damn if it's not effective. It's tense and rousing in equal measures. Even more amazing that apparently most of it was not composed until less than six weeks before the film's release, which should give you an idea of the tense production behind this film. It's all great, but there's one particular portion which is so effective, it has been used in literally hundreds of trailers for other action movies since Aliens came out. This is when our few remaining survivors are finally escaping the planet where there's about to be a thermonuclear detonation. And, well, I'm not going to tell you if they made it out. Just listen to the music. And that brings me to our next category, Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent in the film. Now, it's purely intentional on Cameron's part, but it sucks to say goodbye to so many seemingly likable characters who were introduced in the first half of the film, only to be, you know, xenomorphed, for lack of a better term. But no, there is no wasted talent on this film. Everyone was utilized to the extent of their abilities, especially Stan Winston's crew, who made an army out of just six alien suits. Next category is Trailer Moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now, if you have seen this film already, but you want to sell it to someone who has not seen it, you clearly don't want to show them the get away from her you bitch moment, as amazing as it is. That moment is literally in the fourth act of the film. It would be unfair to ruin that for anyone who has no idea what they're going to watch. Therefore, my suggestion would be for a great moment which happens earlier in the film. Let's say around halfway through. The entire Marine Corps is inside the atmospheric processor, and they're starting to get wiped out by aliens. The video screens and heart rate monitors for each soldier, they're starting to go blank one by one. We can hear a firefight, but they're clearly losing. Lieutenant Gorman is back at the control center, which is at the perimeter of the atmospheric processor, inside an armored personnel carrier, which is kind of like a giant Batmobile. This is only Gorman's second combat mission, and it shows. He's pretty much frozen as he sees and hears all indications of his troops getting wiped out. He's trying to communicate with them, but they can't hear him. None of them can hear him. They're trapped. Well, then guess who steps in in frustration at his lack of action and decides to take matters into her own hands to rescue them? She runs to the other side of the personnel carrier, straps in, and then pushes the gas hard to get to those Marines to save them. It's a true hero moment, and it's a trailer moment at that as well. Fall back. Fall back. back now. Fall back. Cut off. Do something. Oh, oh, come on, keep moving. Baby. Hold on, dude. <sighs> Ripley. What the hell are you doing? And that would bring me to the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. It's got to be Ripley. Sigourney Weaver. It's already been said, but she has so many great moments in this film. And while much of the credit for this film has to go to James Cameron, who's the genre master himself, her performance is what sets this film apart from everything else he's done. This is his best film, and she's the reason. And that's no small feat, because James Cameron has had a great career. Your MVP is Sigourney Weaver. So I made a decision and it was wrong. It was a bad call, Ripley. It was a bad call. Bad call. Right. These people are dead, Burke. Don't you have any idea what you've done here? Well, I'm gonna make sure that they nail you right to the wall for this. You're not gonna sleaze your way out of this one. Right to the wall. And that brings me to my overall rating for the film. Come on, there's no suspense here. It's five out of five stars. This is a perfect film. I love this film. It's one of my favorites. Do I think it's the greatest film ever? No, but it's my personal favorite. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's playing on Amazon Prime right now streaming. And if you even have a chance to see it on a big screen, I would highly recommend that. Now, just one qualifier you have to have seen the first Alien movie to get this one? I don't think so. It actually does a really nice job of kind of taking you back into the story so you don't feel like you're playing catch-up while watching it. Because actually, that was the order I saw this. When I first saw this film, I had not seen the original Alien film, and that didn't hurt my enjoyment of this one bit. But I would say this. Alien itself, the first film, great film too. And that ends another chest-bursting review. Special shout-out to my lovely wife Marlene Gershon for producing this podcast, and to my lovely daughter Ella Gershon for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema.